Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live to a very special episode of Podcast by Proxy. It is finally the long-awaited CrimeCon episode. (laughs) <laughs> long awaited <laughs> look i had somebody text me yesterday asking me where it is and that they're looking forward to it so yeah that's true i've been kind of like whenever anyone's like how was your trip i'm like good but i don't really want to talk about it yet yeah because we had this plan and we've taken notes and the whole shebang so uh yeah we're kind of just going to walk you through our crime con experience today Talk about the seminars that we went to, the people that we met, some of the funny things. I have a funny story before we even got there that I'll share with you. It's about our parking at the airport in the morning. Um, <laughs> and also, our we had an incredible Uber driver to take us back to oh, the airport. Best. I noted about him, too. <laughs> so we're kind of just going to take you start to finish today, and hopefully you enjoy it. Maybe it'll make you want to go to CrimeCon next year. I don't know. It's in Orlando, Ooh. so that's fun. Highly recommend. I believe tickets are already on sale for that, actually. But, um, yeah. Early bird gets the worm. Yeah, so CrimeCon, we, oh my gosh, we planned, of course, I posted on Instagram like a year ago that we bought tickets to CrimeCon and we had it all planned out. Um, but it was actually stressful getting there. It was a stressful experience it from was. the beginning. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it took every gray hair on my head right now to get my passport. Um, It was just attempt after attempt while I was trying to get it. The rules literally changed. Wednesday. Yeah, and so for anybody who doesn't live in Canada or who recently got their 10-year passport so they don't have this problem... Um, obviously everything has been shut down for two years. Passport offices have been closed and weren't even really taking applications unless you had a travel date. Uh, and so now that travel has opened up and everyone has realized that they need to get their passports, it's nearly impossible to get a new passport. Uh, Katie thought she had to renew her passport. It turns out she had to get a new passport. And well, that is just a nightmare right now. So what happens is you have X amount of years after it expires to renew it. And that was a very small window. So when I went in to renew it, they were like, no, 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 you need a whole new passport. So I was like, crap, that's a whole different application. I needed other people to sign it, whatever. So I got that one. And then I went in and the lady was like charging my card, literally like put through my application essentially. And then was like, wait, the rules change like tomorrow. So you'll be able to renew with a much longer window and the renewal is quicker than a new passport. So I'm like, boom, great lady, thank you. And then she goes, oh shit, but I've already processed it. (laughs) So then she's like, I just wanna make sure that now when you go to set up your renewal, you don't get flagged for having a dual application in. Right. I'm like, okay. So she had to like at the end of her day report, like find my application and like manually delete it from all their systems. Oh my gosh, yeah. That sounds then, like a nightmare. And then I had to end up going like an hour away waiting for an appointment and talking to someone when I thought it was going to be so scary. They, were, I thought it was going to be like going through customs where they're like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Who are you? What's your blood type? No. And But the guy's like, where are you going? When is it? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, once you get there, it's a pretty easy process, but it's just the doing that right now that's the issue. Actually, quick anecdote about my passport still, though. The guy at the passport office looked just like the notorious Cree guy. Oh, like, really? Identical. And I almost wanted to be like, have you heard? Do you know? <laughs> but I didn't want to be rude either and assume his nationality either because that wasn't what I meant by it. He sure. just looks a lot like him. And I just was worried that would come across wrong. That makes sense. Uh, that was my dog shaking with her cone on in the background for anybody who heard that. Yeah, Wednesday's chasing a Q-tip around the floor, so there's some weird noises today, people. Yeah, sometimes our pets join. If you are new, well, that's just the way it is around here. Our pets like to be heard. Uh, so, long story short about the passport, we literally booked flights six days before six we flew before to CrimeCon. We didn't think we were going to go seven days before CrimeCon. Yeah. No hotels, no flights. Nothing. Hadn't looked at the itinerary that seriously. Really, we're kind of... Debbie Downers being like, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And to boot, to top it all off, I just bought a house. And so I had that stress on top of everything else. So yeah, I move in a week. Um, There shouldn't be any interruption to episodes, though. We got it all on lock. But it was just an interesting experience getting there. However, once that was all done, we were quite excited. Um, So we, Yeah. yeah, we got our flights. We got there. We managed to get there all good. We did, uh, <laughs> two idiots who don't leave our house very often. When we oh got God. to the airport, they give you this little, like, parking token. And you're oh supposed God. to, apparently, keep it with you and not lose it for the entirety of your trip and put it in, like, <laughs> when you get International back. waters, potentially. People going on these, like, crazy long vacations and they're expected to keep a green, brandless, nameless, super smooth token. Yeah, and, like, if you lose that, you're kind of fucked. You get it when you park, and you're supposed to, like, keep it the entire time, and then you, like, put it back in the machine when you get back, and it tracks how much time you were Which gone, I did. and it charges you. That's not the embarrassing part, people. I'm not a fuck-up. I did keep it. Oh, no, no. We kept the parking token. Yeah. We didn't lose it. Yeah, yeah. The funny part was that it was, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, because we had an early flight, and we <sighs> thought that you choose the amount of days that you want to pay for... And then just like pay for it right there. Um, and so we were trying to pay and it was charging trying. us for like four and minutes. And trying. Yeah, trying. And trying. trying. And thinking now our credit cards aren't working the day we're leaving for a trip. Yeah. And so then. So we're both kind of like slyly being like, it's not a big deal, but we're like, ooh. The little person on the other end through the little speaker was like. Yeah. So we hit the help button. <laughs> was like, um, are you leaving? And we're like, no, we just got here. And they're like, oh, you keep it till after. So that was like a 20 minute experience of just fumbling yeah. with parking. And I also made the mistake of, I don't think I would do it again, wearing a romper for a day of travel, although it was comfortable. Those are not easy to pee in on an airplane. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, there was about four bachelorette parties on our plane. So shout out to y'all. I hope you had fun. Yeah. There was a lot of you. The, the group of 12 specifically that was around us in lineup. Uh, there was one girl that was in like an all black cute little like tracksuit. She was super friendly and nice. And shout out to you guys because I hope you had a great time. Yeah. 12 is a big party to go to Vegas with. It is, yes. Uh, R.I.P. 
we were with two other people and it felt like a lot in a good way, but it still felt like a lot of people to like take into account. Yeah. I couldn't imagine trying to take 12 people's feelings into account on vacation. I feel like 12 people, you've got to be doing other things at a certain point. You're not all wrangling yeah. 12 at the same time. There's no way. There's you know what no I've way. noticed? On a lot of shows that I watch when it's big groups going on vacation, there's always two activities and it's like, okay, who wants to do this and who wants to do this? So yeah. it's like two groups go off and then the few people that want to go like shopping or to do a sightseeing type thing on their own can. And yeah. I was like, that is pretty smart to have two things set up. Yes, it is. Now, so we arrived in Vegas. We got there. It was a it was a journey, of course, as you've heard, to yeah. actually get there. But we did. I was sweating. And how? Keep in mind, Katie and I are both not. We don't do sports. Ball. We're not travelers, guys. No, we're not. We don't do sports. We don't travel. I was gonna say. No, I'm just prefacing both. Yeah, we're we're not. Sports I know where ball. you're going. We're not sports ball fans, really. I mean, we're Canadian, so we both know hockey. I grew up with a brother, so I. Like, I mean, I know a watching bit baseball, too, but like. However, football, not really my sport. So we touched down in Vegas, and the announcer's like, oh, just an FYI, uh, some of the streets are closed for the NFL draft. So we land in Vegas on NFL draft day. <laughs> yeah. Three quarters of the strip the is shut Thursday down. Thursday morning of draft weekend. Mm-hmm. I have never seen so many jerseys in one airport. So many it different was, jerseys, too. and that, But that was really cool, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like where there's a game and it's two teams and those are the only jerseys you see or you only see the home team. This was small groups of every jersey you could think of and everybody was having a great time and it was a really cool thing to be a part of still. I, I was going to say, the vibes were pretty sweet. Everybody was having fun. Yeah. Because it was a draft, there was no, like competitiveness everyone he was just like cheering for their people and having fun Um, oh my goodness do you remember that guy that was like can you take my picture (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we roamed the strip we did all the fun vegas things we saw a lot actually that day my i tracked hustled the first i tracked my steps i had my apple watch still on on day one and we did like over twenty-two thousand steps that day Yes, yes. Yeah, we I never we did actually it. looked back at my fitness app to see if it was like, hey, good job. Sorry, I have like a tiny rhino running around right now. When a tiny rhino. Yeah, so it was draft day. There was like a live concert show going on. There was a comedian. There was people twirling around in the air. And the comedian put this bluntly he was a little person as he and that's what he called himself was a little person yes and he was it, there in partnership with Cirque du Soleil because he's in the upcoming new Cirque du Soleil which has a super huge comedy element mm-hmm. so the whole s- spiel was about like tiny people and the circus and him trying to get into the NFL he was so funny it was funny like his the flow of his act was just so good I- so anyway, yeah, Thursday was no, CrimeCon didn't start till Friday, so we kind of just had, we called it Vegas Day and like roamed around and did So we got our frozen and... daiquiris at like 10 o'clock know, in the a.m. or whatever. The second we were out of the strip, we were yeah. like, where's those daiquiri machines? Yeah. I think that was the only drink I had the whole time I was there because I'm a non-drinker. I was going to say, yeah, I had a couple like cans with Jamie from Bloodbath. A couple cans. A couple Every cans. time I'd look, I'd be like, do you have any more of those? <laughs> no, I drink slow these days. You um, do drink slower. So, 
I'm just trying to find. We had to have a nap on day one. Oh, my my tan incident. Oh my gosh. And it was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if anyone knows me well, they know that I am Casper the flipping ghost. I'm so pale. (laughs) Like the sun loves me. I burn instantly. But I love fake tanning because I just love tanning. I think it looks, it makes you feel confident. It's great. She's talking and about so, self-tanner, self by the way. Yeah, yeah. No tanning beds. <clears throat> so I fake tan away the day before we're leaving. I've, like, exfoliated. I'm I'm looking brown. I'm looking bronzed. It's great. So the next day we when we're flying, I quickly do a little touch-up before we go because we stayed at our friend Kyle's in Vancouver the night before flying out. So then the next day, we're so tired from being up at like 3 a.m., we think midday we're going to have a little snooze, and then we're going to get up, and we're going to walk the strip again. I swear to God, it looked like I had rubbed like chocolate bars all over the sheets (laughs) while I was sleeping. I guess I was really warm. Katie's like, do you think they're going to make us pay for this? (laughs) I get salt tanner to wash out. I'm like, it is water-soluble, but if it's on the bill, just let me know. I'll pay for it. I am sure that's not the first time Vegas has seen their sheets no. destroyed by oh, self-tan. <laughs> I wonder, for anyone out there who's ever worked in a hotel, let us know, like, what is the threshold of where they charge you? Obviously, if you just take it all together, yeah, they're going to charge you. Like, if you steal a bathrobe. But... You know, if I was to, like, accidentally break something, are they going to charge me? Or are they like, oh, we'll give you a pass on this one? Yeah, I would also be curious to know what the threshold is in terms of, like, what you get charged. If you've worked at a hotel, please let us know. Um, Yeah, so we did the Vegas thing. We saw the Bellagio water show at night in the lights. I murdered those sheets. Katie murdered the sheets. We. What did we eat that day? Probably oh, we went nothing. to Rainforest Cafe. Oh, yes, we did. Um, it was hard to find anywhere really to eat because there was so <laughs> many people there. But the but rain- then we went into Rainforest Cafe and the girls like, oh, they're going to start letting us go home early if it stays this quiet. <laughs> we look around and it's empty. The only thing I brought home, by the way, from Vegas is like crime con souvenirs and cups. I came home with like five cups. Same. <laughs> what the fuck? And I didn't need any cups to begin with. I don't know about everybody else. Does everybody else just have an abundance of cups? Like, yes. to go cups, and tumblers, tumblers, straws, glass cups. There's just so yes. many. Yes. Um, actually, there, I've posted a funny reel on my personal Instagram a while ago about like why people keep cups, like the cup system. Uh, and that's totally me. Like, I'm like, oh, I, I got this at this one place and I use it sometimes. So I can never get and rid why of it. Why do cups? And I think that there's a different cup for everything. There is. You know, I personally am someone who I rarely use a bowl. When I eat cereal, oatmeal, mac and cheese, soup, I use a giant mug. Because then I have a handle. Oh, always. Um, when I'm at home, I can't relate always. to that. I use a bowl. Well, then you're not living. I need a um, maximum amount of food in my oh, food these storage mugs are container. Huge. huge, but then I can also hold the cup closer to my face to eat faster because <laughs> I have a handle. So you gotta try it one. Don't knock it till you try it, okay? But yeah, there's just different cups for different things. We all get it. Different strokes for different folks. Different cups yeah. for different vessels of i don't know anyway that didn't work and then we but we also met up with our like crime con our buddies buddies yeah that night we did which was great 
And we met our first, like, crime con person that day, didn't we? Oh, no, we met him in the morning right before. Yeah, no, we met him. Um, that's Collier Landry is his name? Yeah, yes. he has uh, Murder in Mansfield. Yes. It's his documentary, and we met him in the parkade on our way into the first day, and he was amazing, so kind, so friendly. He also... Definitely check out his documentary because... I was going to say. His story is crazy. Yeah, his story is crazy, A Murder in Mansfield, and he also has his own podcast, uh, Moving Past Murder, so definitely take a look at his page. We'll link his info, but yeah, he was really nice. We met him in like the parkade at the hotel in the morning before we even went to CrimeCon. We got a photo with him. He was super, super, super nice, Um, and I mean, that was really... The reason that we wanted to go to CrimeCon was to meet people and to be able to network and to learn. Um, So yeah, Thursday night we met up with Ashley and Jamie from Bloodbath Podcast. If you haven't checked them out, please do so. They are our friends in podcast world and we met them finally for the first time. We've communicated with them over the time that we've been podcasting and that was really fun to have some people to like experience it with. Well, and it was also, they're in, like, the same boat as us. They're around our age. They're two women just trying to, like, find out what we're doing, where we're going. So it was fun to just be able to be around some, like, like-minded people. Yeah, it was great. Um, so let's just talk about CrimeCon now. We've kind of gotten through our whole little experience of getting there and our Vegas day and meeting up with our friends. So we're now in our first room. Where you have to be in your first room. Shut up, Frankie. I'm talking. (laughs) So we were in our first room where you had to be in wherever the first demo or show that you wanted to watch was. So you go in, you sit there, you watched our intro video, which actually wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. I thought the actual CrimeCon intro video would be longer or someone would speak, but it was just like this super fast-paced, intense, cool crime clips. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And so to give a visual, when you walk in, like when you saw the picture I posted with the big crime con sign, you walk in, you have to get your badge and everything, and there's three main rooms that they have seminars in kind of going on at the same time. And then there's also a room that they call Podcast Row. Um, So around the edges of the room and in the middle, some of the bigger podcasts or anybody who signed up to be on Podcast Row, I think you got selected, but anybody can apply. Like we could have applied if we wanted to. Um, Yeah. They're sitting they sell there. booths, so you pay to be part of it. Yeah, I think, so. yeah. So you have a booth that yeah. you pay for. You have, you know, some people had stickers and pop, uh, pop sockets and pins, and you yeah. can. I got it. a hat. Yeah, got, like it was really cool. This, the the things that people went out of their way to make. Yeah, and then uh, in the middle, kind of like at the front, there is a stage where they did a few live podcast tapings. So that was really cool. There was a section where the you glass could, box. Yeah, you could watch um, people tape their shows live. So that's really neat. I feel like that would be cool to do. Uh, Goals for... And we will get to who we saw there because we both had like... We fangirled hard at Podcast Row. uh, For sure. I'm like, in my head, I'm like... But I don't even think we went to Podcast Row on day one because... We did not. Crime didn't start until noon on day one on the Friday. And, like, we were just jam-packed in sessions all day. And by the end of it, we were just like, I want to go home. 
Yeah, and we had to be there at 9 a.m. to get our badges and our bags, but then we left, and obviously between, like, trying to, like, find food, and there's a lot of lineups and stuff, it it took us a, quite a while to get around, yeah. so even though we had a couple hours to kill, it wasn't really that long, yeah. especially considering we all had to, like, it was four of us getting ready in one hotel room. We had to all take our time, so... <laughs> Yeah, so the first session that we attended, so like Katie said, you had to pick your room that you wanted to do. Whatever first session you wanted to do, you were in that room for, like, the intro, which was just, like, a welcome to CrimeCon 2022. They had a big video flashing, like, big cases that have happened this year. Yeah, things like that. that would be there, things like that. It was really interesting. Yeah. But. So the first one we attended was Bringing Them Home Behind the Scenes with DNA Doe Project. Um, yeah. So it was Margaret Press, Kevin Lord, and Karen Binder. Yes. Yeah. Um, and actually, we interacted with Karen a little bit on Twitter. She's super sweet, super helpful. If you ever want to reach out with any questions to the Doe Project, they are super quick to reply. So highly recommend. Yeah, so if you don't know what the DNA Doe Project is, it is an organization, nonprofit, I believe, in the States, and they basically work with genetic genealogy to identify does or, like, bodies that have gone unidentified and are, like, cold cases kind of thing. Um, they work to identify those and give them back their names and their faces um, because there are a ton of unidentified bodies I was going to say in the States, but in Canada as well. And they continue, that number continues to grow every year. So they work with genetic genealogy and the labs to... I think it's also like a big misconception that they can utilize like 23andMe and all those and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Like you do have to opt in with them and yeah, there is a little bit of a difference. So it's important to educate yourself on what they do yes. because it's a pretty broad spectrum. So I was going to have you kind of speak about that, how to do, because I don't have any of that. I've never done an Ancestry or 23andMe. Yeah. So I was going to have you kind of explain how you can go about transferring your data and mm-hmm. getting your information into there so that you can see if you're a match. Yeah, within your profile, uh, you can go into your reports if you've ever done a 23andMe, Ancestry.ca, uh, I believe there's one other that you can utilize, which is a smaller company. So it, I would just recommend reaching out if you've used an alternative that's not as well known or as to your specific area. But once you've done the test, you have all your results, you can go into the website or the app, into your settings, enter your reports, and you can extract the raw data And then once you have that file, you go on the DNA Doe Project's website and you can actually submit your raw data. And what they'll do is they'll take the raw data and they'll make the picture of your DNA so they can then cross-reference it with remains and see if you're maybe a distant cousin or something so they can kind of reverse redo the family tree to find out whose child you might be, whose parent you might Mm -hmm. be, or any relation in that way. But it's super simple. You just have to extract it and then go on their website and submit it. It's super easy. Yeah, and I think that's really good to know because uh, I think when the public hears about genetic genealogy and things like that, they do think that a lot of these organizations can just pull directly from Ancestry DNA, 23andMe, those kind of sites. Um, and they can't. There's only a certain number of partners that they have. 
So yeah, extracting your data and inputting it in there could be really helpful. You could help match the identity of somebody who has gone unidentified. Um, and that is a good bridge into kind of explaining how that works because I think there's a big misconception uh, among people oh, that for sure. uh, genetic genealogy matching is like they just go in and they find somebody who's related and then like which is with DNA beep, boop, 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 they match somebody and that's not how it works at all. So they showed us a good behind the scenes looking at how it works to actually like find those DNA markers, they find, say, a matching marker, and then, like Katie said, building out those family trees um, to give that information to investigators or to do their own investigation to then, like, they're still having to interview and piece all this together and figure out, like, whose parents had what children and did they have any connection to this case? Could they have been tied to it in any way? And then once... Well, like, what if someone was put up for adoption? Right, that did come right. up in the Maybe session. Maybe they're not as related as they think they are and things like that as well. And I remember her saying that, like we were just saying, it's not the norm, but yes, there are the odd cases where it's like, beep, boop, beep, and they figure it out in like seven minutes. And that's yeah. just because with new technology, the samples they had were so good yeah. that it was so easy. And they had a, like a second cousin in the system. But that's so rare, whereas they have a lot of, like indigenous cases and people of varying ethnicities and unfortunately if you're not of european descent the likelihood of having a match in the system is so low because there's very few contributors of their dna Mm -hmm. so there is a wide range of people who likely aren't going to get identified as quickly because there's not as many cross references for them yeah so the more people that we can get inputting their dna as well will create more results, especially for people of color and indigenous, well, it was a lot of indigenous women, she said, and a lot of those cases are, you know, upwards of 20, 30, 40 years in the system with no hits because there's no DNA to match to. So we just really can, it's something that we can all do to help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, I've never done one of those, but I'm considering doing it just to upload my raw data. Uh, I mean, I am of European descent. I'm not going to be helpful. I'm white as they come. Uh, In any any other cases. Wonder bread right here. Literally, like, there's no way that I will be helpful in that. But uh, even just getting the word out and talking about it and and maybe you've done one of those tests and you want to upload your DNA... So the DNA Doe Project would be where to do that. A little bit about some of the cases that they have been able to solve. So the DNA Doe Project was responsible for identifying the fifth victim of John Wayne Gacy in October of 2021. For this victim, the DNA match was found in a second cousin range, and this enabled the team to eventually identify the John Doe as Francis Wayne Alexander. Francis had been discovered December 26, 1978 and went unidentified until October of 2021 when the Doe Project Whoa. was able to identify them. That's crazy. Um, another also case... like amazing. Yeah, another case that they discussed with us and went over um, quite in depth actually in the details was the Sumter County Does, which was... Mm-hmm. Uh, they they mentioned it was an episode covered by Crime Junkie. Now, I remember we talked about it and you said, like, 
I'm sure there's so many other podcasts that have covered that case. Why did they choose Crime, crime Junkie? If you go mm-hmm. to the DNA Doe Project's website at the bottom of the page, they are very heavily funded by Audio Chuck. So that's why. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, but either way. Which um, is fine. And, yeah. And honestly, Crime Junkie does very thorough episodes. And for anyone else who's a Crime Junkie fan, like our thoughts are with Brit oh, with yeah. everything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not saying anything negative, but it does make a difference how your name gets carried through. It does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I really had to say about this one. It was really just a uh, more of an in-depth discussion yeah. about how genetic genealogy actually works, how those family trees get linked, um, you know, how they go about piecing families back, kind of back together in order to find somebody who was somehow linked to the case. It's so a very, cool. very in-depth process. And um, genetic genealogy is used a lot in the states right now yeah. but it's not used as frequently in Canada at all and there's actually some like human rights organizations that that cite privacy concerns and things like that however it has been used in the last couple of years um, and it was used recently to solve a cold case in the last couple of years in Canada so I'm going to be covering that case uh, over the next few weeks you'll you'll hear it when it comes out but um, okay. Yeah. So that was yeah, the first. That's session. why it's important. Just get that raw data in because there's so few companies that can actually access it. And if you have any questions about it, or just go straight to the sources. Use like GEDmatch because they're a confirmed Doe Project partner. They can pull data from them. Yes. So if you're ever concerned, just pick a company that works directly with them, and you'll have no problems ensuring that your data is submitted. Yeah. So that was a really great first session. I thought. Um, yeah. Next. So by one ten we were moving into our next one. I was gonna say so that was at twelve five. By one ten we were moving on to the next one, and yeah. we chose to go to how to spot a liar in seven <laughs> seconds or less with Susan Constantine. Now this session, aka Chris Jenner, this session was a hoot, <laughs> a hoot. Oh, this lady was amazing, and she looked like Chris Jenner. She had the haircut for sure. She yeah, had like she, the, and- the the vibe. She kind of had, like, the swagger of Kris Jenner, too. If you look at pictures of Susan Constantine over the years, though, she is a chameleon. Oh, she never looks the same. She never yeah. looks the same. I would not recognize her if I saw her with, like, a different hair style. Oh, no. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of why she is so amazing at, like, at conveying what she does is because her daughter was, like, a victim of cyber attacks mm-hmm. and, like, cyber predators, so... She just has, like, that passion and drive, and she was just such a cool woman. I thought her opening story was so crazy about being... All of her like, stories were crazy. Like, how young was she when that first one happened? Oh, like, like 12? 11 yeah. or 12? So yeah, so when Susan was, like, 11 or 12, she basically was the witness to... Like, not a physical witness, but, like, so, no, she saw was... the person and was, like... A witness. Like she saw someone fleeing a scene and was able to be like that guy with that car and those clothings wearing that and the cops were like, "Damn kid!" And You're like, like a personal surveillance. Recognized that he was sketchy as hell. Well, the weird thing is, yeah, and they were supposed to. Her and her friend babysat for the lady that had been attacked yeah. like the week earlier, and they were supposed to babysit that day, and it fell through. Remember? Mm-hmm. And she was like, "I felt like an uncomfortable vibe last time I was there, but I just ignored it." I mean, as no, you do when you're 12. No, trust your gut, people. 
I know. Anyways, so Susan is a leading body language expert in human behavior for deception detection. What a title. Um, yeah. Some of the famous cases that she has consulted on, uh, Michael Jackson, Jeffrey Epstein. She helped uh, assist with a review of the police body cam footage with the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie case. Mm-hmm. She's. I believe that she's also consulted or provided like testimony or just her opinion on cases Expert like opinion. Casey yeah. Anthony. Um, she does a lot of. I think she said she sat in on that case. Yeah, or something. She said she was in the courtroom. I don't know what capacity in, but regardless, how did you not just jump across and strangle that lady? <laughs> Yeah, so she talked about basically reading people both verbally and non-verbally. She also basically explained that, like, there isn't one single way to detect if somebody is lying. Like, she... Well, like, in the 90s, we all thought it was like, oh, you look to the left, they're lying. Yeah. Oh, you're blinking a lot, you're lying. Yeah. So she debunked a lot of that. Like, if somebody looks away, it doesn't mean they're lying. Or if somebody looks up, it doesn't mean they're lying. Do you remember at the beginning when she made us take the oath? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, and depending on their hand position, if they're going to tell you the truth or they're going to lie, but we're not going to ruin it because it's a fun test to look up on your own and then do to people. So, yeah. Look her up. But yeah, she, she essentially explained that there isn't one singular way to detect if somebody is lying, but that you, in, in a nutshell, um, I have it's linked... A combination. I have linked some of the resources because I did a little bit of reading after. It's actually very interesting. So yeah, essentially what she's doing is you have to keep people talking and you find their baseline so that when you ask those probative questions you can see if there are shifts in little tiny shifts in their behavior. Yeah, so micro shifts in behavior. Yeah. And it's not going to be anything dramatic. And nope. she's looking for what she calls clusters. So three things. It can't just be one because. People... So although the things we just mentioned that she debunked. It could be. She did debunk them as a one-off. Yeah. That is not a clear indicator. There has to be a cluster of three or more of the indicators that she provided, which I'm sure you're going to give a couple. Well, so for verbal, when you're determining somebody's baseline, for example, you're looking for things like their choice of words, their pronouns, um, a person's vocabulary, she says, is like a verbal dictionary, and any deviation from that could indicate deception. So that's not going to be the same for every single person. Yeah. Body. So that can be like leaving out little words too. Like you don't use the word I when you're guilty of something because you don't want to like associate that you did it. You'd be like, oh, went to the store, mm-hmm. went car wash, went and did this, went and did this, then over to here. But you won't say I went and did this, mm-hmm. I went and did this. So yeah, it's like little things like that. Yeah, and then she talked about like body language as well. So whatever you are like feeling or thinking starts with a thought, provokes an emotion in your body, which then produces an outcome. So you can determine a person's baseline in their body language. um, And then when they are deceptive, their like facial expressions won't necessarily match what they're talking about or how they... You'll be able to tell that the words 
and the actions are just not jiving. Yeah, so for this one, she used Chris Watts as an example because he's the worst liar ever. I'm sure everybody... has no emotion. Well, I'm sure everybody, if you are familiar with that case and you've watched his, like, news interviews and things like that, I mean, he wasn't even kind of acting like a grieving father or somebody who's... He was kind of like, yeah, I don't know where they are. Yeah, yeah, it was just very... (laughs) Pretty much. He's the worst. Nonchalant. Like, it was, yeah, it was so... But there is a clip that you can look up, and it is the famous clip of him standing out in front of the garage right after it happens, and he has his arms crossed. He's in a gray t-shirt. That's why I remember, because I've seen it probably a billion times. And he's just saying, like, yeah, I don't know where they are. I just came home, and they weren't here, and it's da-da-da-da-da. But he gets asked a question, and you'll notice that, like, his shoulder goes up, Mm -hmm. he licks his lips, and he blinks a bunch of times as he's answering. And those three items together are his, like, break. And that's his cluster that you can find. Yeah, so so what she says is essentially when people lie, telling a lie builds what she calls cognitive load. So you're looking for... Like Katie said, three indicators in the first seven seconds of asking probative questions after determining a person's baseline to see if they're being deceptive or not. Because because lying, like telling the truth is easy. This is what happened. This is what I did. Telling lies builds like cognitive load and makes the person have to think a lot harder. So they're kind of unable to control those little things that are going to happen. So... Well, and when you tell a truth, it's like you're telling the present. You're just saying, in that moment, this is what I did. Whereas when you build that lie, you have to go, okay, where was I? What was I doing? Mm -hmm. Did I tell a lie this conflicts with already? Like, there's so much going on in your brain when you tell a lie. Yeah. So as an example, like, I ask you a question, where were you last week at 7 o'clock Thursday night when the murder occurred? Now, let's say that we've been having this conversation and you've been leaning in. All of a sudden... You lean back, then you squirm a bit, and your face gets a momentary look of surprise, which she has an actual, like, tool that she uses for this, which is crazy. Oh, that thing is crazy. It's crazy cool. It's an but emotion reader, That would be considered a cluster and could indicate deception, and this is when you would probe more. Hmm. So. Just a moment of weakness. Yeah, Susan Constantine has a website. She actually has a course on this that you can pay for if you're interested. Uh, Anybody can take it, but she has been on a ton of TV shows like Dr. Drew, Nancy Grace, Good Morning America, The Today Show. Um, As I mentioned, she's provided expert testimony regarding cases like uh, Casey Anthony. And um, when she was talking about it, she asked if anybody had ever heard or was following the Johnny Depp and Amanda Heard <laughs> trial, which I just had to include Amanda. because it was literally the funniest shit ever. Um, yeah. God. So for the my, her last little note that I have on her about her training courses, um, she's actually taught government agencies to detect deception through five channels of communication so face body language tone words and space that's six by by, i believe words and space is one four or five yeah she has uh been hired to train the department of defense's office of the inspector general public defender's offices state attorney offices law schools she's done it all uh, she was she was really fun. So really interesting if you're into like yeah, look her up human behavior, sure. body language, stuff like that. Um, it, it was a fun, it was a really fun one. So 
The next session we went to on the Friday, day one of CrimeCon, was 2.20 p.m. We went to Sister Strong, fighting back against the dark corners of the internet with Kelsey German, Julie Murray, and Sarah Turney. Yeah, and Renee Williams hosted it. It was like a panel. Yeah, I would say of the whole weekend, this was still one of my favorite sessions, personally. Yeah. So for everybody, if you don't know who Sarah Turney, Kelsey German, and Julie Murray are, um, Sarah Turney is the sister of Alyssa Turney, who went missing May of 2001. And Sarah is literally a justice warrior. She has fought, basically dedicated her life to fighting justice for her sister Alyssa and also now for other cases with her podcast, Voices for Justice. She is incredible in the true crime space, um, and listening to her speak was great. It was phenomenal. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Kelsey German is the sister of Liberty German, who died alongside Abigail Williams, February 13th, 2017. This is uh, a case, I guess, commonly known as the Delphi murders. Um, if you, or the Down the Hill murders. Yeah, Down the Hill. If you've listened to the podcast Down the Hill, it, it outlines this case really, really well. So Kelsey was there as well. And then Julie Murray is the sister of Maura Murray, who went missing February 9th, 2004. Um, and It was the 18-year anniversary, like right at CrimeCon, pretty much. Yeah, and, and this one, I mean, so with Alyssa's case, like, of course, Sarah is along in the justice process with that case now, and there there is a trial um Libby and Abby you know their bodies were found it's still very much unsolved but that that investigation at least is still very active um, I think they have stuff to work with like they have information to go on at least and to try yeah Maura Murray just really vanished yeah she seemed to have done everything she was supposed to the morning before she didn't do anything out of the ordinary turned in her homework was in nursing school seemed everything was pretty good um and then yeah just gotten a minor fender bender it was her second one in a week though which was odd um fresh snow around the car and no sign of where or direction she went in where she went um someone did pull over and ask her if she needed help she said no she was waiting for bcaa mm-hmm. the person left and then thought about it longer and realized there was no cell reception there and thought she might have needed more help and when they went back she wasn't there yeah and now uh, she's it's just she's, gone. she's never been found there's never been a trace of mora um that actually the ki- killer queens just put out a two-parter this week okay uh, on her case so if anybody wants to know they just did a really thorough deep dive in it so i highly recommend that yeah so that was a panel like we said and they really discussed the impact that it has on being a family member in cases that have such uh big media attention and such interest from the public and and kind of how that affects them in their daily life in terms of cyberbullying and getting death threats and attacked online when they're also on the flip side dealing with this impossible situation. Um, so I, I can't imagine how hard it is to stay strong on like a fight for something and a process when you're getting attacked over it. Yeah, and I personally really wanted to go to this panel... Uh, as a podcaster and as a creator to like learn how I can Mm -hmm. make the least amount like how I can make this the least worse you know what I mean like I'm 
hyper aware that we how can we make the right kind of ripples right like i'm hyper aware that the the information that we talk about is incredibly sensitive and that these people are real with real lives and real family members and that the victim isn't the only victim and so it was very enlightening for me to hear them talk and also confirm that as long as you're doing your best to cover cases with the right intention, um, that it's okay. As long as you care. Because yeah. I think sometimes we shy away from certain cases because we're scared to cover them and to say the wrong thing yeah. and to, you know, or be insensitive or, and as long as we're, you, anybody is, if you care about the case and you're not just. the right intention. Yeah, like you're not just doing it for clout, like. I, it's it's okay uh cases need attention and that that was the biggest thing that i took away from that was like they, they do need attention loved ones do want their family members names sure. to still be out there and not be forgotten and like yeah yeah as long as it's the right kind of attention yeah you're not doing any harm yeah yeah that was the biggest thing like how can i do the least amount it was of harm? the biggest takeaway for sure yeah so that, I mean, that's really all I have to say about that session. I highly encourage you to follow Sarah Turney and Kelsey German on social media. I don't believe that Julie Murray has social media, but... Um, she does have a TikTok, just like Alyssa, actually. Okay. For Alyssa's case, how um, there are... Oh, my goodness. Yes. For Alyssa's case, her sister made a TikTok to try to solve it and... Julie has since taken... God, there's a lot of names to talk about right now. Julie has since gone the same route, and I was actually watching her TikToks last night, um, and I believe it's Find Missing Mora. So... Okay, that's interesting. Highly recommend checking hers out, because she gives a lot of detail as well. So, again, if you want to check out the Killer Queens episode and then her TikTok, you can literally get up to date on this case front to back in a day and like we just only ask if you're going to follow people on social media to do it respectfully i don't want to see any nasty comments left from anybody that is our listeners none of that 100 percent. none of that make the right kind of ripple i just said it. <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna get a shirt that says that and that's a really good idea can you make me one too yeah it's gonna be like a little drop of blood with ripples coming out of it and it says make the right kind of ripple <laughs> Good Food is Canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door. Good Food makes cooking fun, easy, and affordable. They offer different meal plans to fit your needs like vegetarian, clean 15, easy prep, and the most popular basket, the classic basket. Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with Good Food, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for Good Food today using the code FREEPODCASTBYPROXY to get your first classic box for free. That's free podcast by proxy when creating your good food account to get a classic box on us. Hi friends. If you like what you hear and you want to get even more content from us, we're officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get early access to our regular episodes, get bonus episodes, live Q and a sessions, and more. Visit the link in this episode description to learn more and sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at podcast by proxy. Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us. If you want to support us even more, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing today. 
Uh, okay, so for... I'm just looking to see. I believe we went to only one more yeah. session um, on Friday. It was the... Oops. Yeah, we went to... Well, we went to two, technically. But we went to one more session at 3.30, which, honestly, I actually loved more than I thought I would, which was the Long Island serial killer, Secrets Unraveled. Yeah, that... With Billy Jensen. I was going to say, that was with, um... And Alexis Linkletter. Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen, um... Fangirl! If anyone saw our picture with them, you could tell that we're, like, super cheesy, like, ah! Yeah, very starstruck. We we ran into them in, like, at the bar in the hotel, and we were really (laughs) caught off guard, and Ashley and Jamie are a lot more confident than we are in terms of just, like, running up to people. We're Canadian. Yeah, in terms of just, like, running up to people and asking for a picture, I am the most awkward. I don't even want to. I just want to let people live their life. Um, so Also, apparently we say bag funny. We say everything funny. We got hounded <laughs> all weekend for how we say, like, our O's and everything, but... Our A's. Yeah. A. So this session was really interesting. Um, I will preface this on the top and say I actually don't know a lot about the Long Island serial killer cases, um, but... They talked about their series and their podcast called Unraveled, which is essentially their investigation into... But yeah, it's an investigation into who is the Long Island serial killer. Um, They talk a lot about police corruption in Suffolk County, which is where these bodies were found, um, specifically pertaining to the ex-police chief, James Burke. Um, I don't know, Katie, if you have a lot more to say about this one in terms of the case. I know that most of the bodies were found in December yeah. 2010 and early 2011, and it's kind of just gone cold slash unsolved since then. Yeah, I mean, it's a very affluent, high-profile neighborhood where all these parts of bodies are turning up. It's a lot of torsos um, in a certain area, um, maybe closer to what they assume might be the culprit, as it might be more difficult to move those body parts. Um, other parts moved further away, but all within Long Island, which is not a big area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have watched Unraveled, the series. It's great. It's some really incredible investigative journalists. Um, so watching them go through the process is amazing, yeah. especially because it does have a personal connection where it all kind of gets started because Alexis gets a call from someone in her hometown who got in trouble. And that's how it ends up making the connection back to someone high up in the police force. And it kind of gets everyone kind of humming and hawing over it. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting case and how it comes about. But yes, essentially, it's start to finish how they go through looking at not the case itself, but how the investigation was done and each person's part in it um, and who was taken off the case that implicated more suspicion around what might have been going on. Like, there was police detectives who honestly thought it was other policemen or high-up people in the town. Yeah. And they were removed from the case right away when that guy became police chief. Like, why? Yeah. He asked the FBI to stop looking into it. Yeah. Like, there's too many weird little things that, even if he's not the one doing it, He's definitely in cahoots with someone, and there's a bigger picture of maybe an affluent circle of people who are getting into these horrible, nefarious things. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, I highly do recommend watching that. I mean, I personally am going to. I haven't yet, but just listening to this panel, or it wasn't a panel, it was just them talking about it and, us, and uh, fielding questions. Um, it was really, really interesting, though, and I immediately was like, um, that police chief, what? So, yeah. ding, 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 we have a winner. It's worth a listen. Like Katie said, really, really incredible investigative journalists uh, covering this do a great job and i mean it's billy jensen so why wouldn't you want to listen and it's like hbo quality so it's a pretty well done documentary as well yeah so yolo now now our last session of the day wasn't really a session we had on over to pod- no. we had it on over to podcast row because we did want to go and see so i lied at the beginning we did go to podcast row on day one but it was because um cocktails and cocktails was doing a live podcast taping with Gil Carrillo. So we um, got to meet two of our heroes, Gil Carrillo yeah. and Sean Larkin. At the same time, we were both fangirling because I'm obsessed <laughs> with Gil Carrillo. Literally the only person I wanted to like meet at CrimeCon. I couldn't stop talking about it. And as mentioned earlier, I didn't really look at the itinerary properly. No. So that didn't even phase me. And when I walked in and literally, like, Sean Sticks Larkin was, like, four feet in front of me, I was like, Ugh. I'm like, I think I peed a little. Yeah, so if you don't know who Sean Sticks Larkin is, he's from Live PD. If you were a Live PD person, then you do know. Um, but we got to meet two of our heroes on day one. Like, they were just standing there. Nobody was asking them for pictures or anything. So we just walked up and I was like, um, hi, I'm obsessed with you. Can I have a photo? I was not shy on that one. But... No. So Gil Carrillo, everybody knows who Gil Carrillo is, right? And if you don't, what we give you the authority to pause here and put his name in Google. I'm just going to tell you anyway, because I love him. So Gil is the infamous Latino detective um, from the Night Stalker documentary. He worked alongside Frank Salerno, who famously worked on the Hillside Strangler case. But Gil, he's just phenomenal. He was the first Latino. The nicest. Yeah, he, so he was the first Latino ever to rank as a lieutenant in the Homicide Bureau of the LASD. That took place in 2004, which is just crazy to me that it took that long. But he's amazing. Um, fun fact that I found out. So Gil actually worked on like. I think he investigated like seven to eight hundred murders in his 21 years working for the Homicide Bureau. Um, and his badge number was 187, which 187 is U.S. police radio code for murder in the U.S. I said the U.S. already. But anyways, fun fact. Um, and just to note, he is literally the sweetest human being in the world. The sweetest man, like, on earth. The sweetest. And I, w- I do want to make a note, though, just to, like, preface with also, like, both of them are the nicest. Because I asked Sticks for a photo, and they were supposed to be going on stage. And there was, like, this little squirrely guy running around, clearly stressing about them getting on stage. And... He was like, I have to go on stage, but if you're around at the end, yes. I'm like, okay, great, sure. And I was, like, totally fine with that. But then he, like, got a word that they were going to have ten minutes till they went on. And he, like, came around the crowd and found us and was like, I can do that picture now if you want. And I just thought that was, like, so kind of him. Because, like, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. And it was just nice that he came back and was like, no, you asked, so you're first. And he actually let us get our picture before someone else. Yeah. Which was just, like... 
it was just very kind and I just thought it was nice in such a crowded busy area I was gonna say they were both so nice and like Mm -hmm. Gil I mean he is so humble and so cute and just and you're obsessed the nicest man on planet earth and also a legend like this man is a legend if you have not seen him on the Night Stalker just go go watch it um, I got to take a selfie with this man. I, it's one of the greatest moments of my life. If you can't tell, I'm like still also, on cloud nine about meeting Gil Carrillo. Her boyfriend does not like true crime. Well, he, and he was at home going like, but you have to find Gil because he loves him as well. He doesn't not like true crime. He loves watching documentaries with me. It's just like he's not fangirling over people in the yeah. true crime space like I am. But he wanted a picture of Gil. He was like jealous that I got to meet Gil. Mm. Gil's a legend. Um, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. They'll only disappoint you. All, every hero I met this that weekend did not disappoint. I was not disappointed by meeting no. a single person. But yeah, anyway, Gil, if you're out there, if you're listening, you're not but uh we love you keep doing your work keep keep speaking and making people happy because i know he does do a lot of like speaking engagements and stuff and he was great like he was so great to mm-hmm. listen to um he is a legend in the policing community well, and cocktails and cocktails also covers a lot of like really prevalent issues mm-hmm. like they were just talking about like cyber security and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um and online predators and things so I think just the two of them together, I like doing that together, that recording was hilarious yeah. and funny and lighthearted, but you learned so much. Yeah. And you were engaged. So yeah, they killed it. So yeah, I mean, not much else to say about that. We both just got to meet. I think we just left after that. We were like, okay. Legit. I, I was, was like, <laughs> uh, so I could die happy. Now I got to go and have a nap. And I'm good for the day. And instead, we went and got in and out we did. for the first time. Yes, these two little Canadians got in and out for the first time. And then yeah. Friday night, we also had the Paul Holes book party, book launch. <laughs> so that was really fun. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, the book is Unmasked. It's just coming out. It's about to be released. Yeah. The, have you read it? No, I haven't read it yet. It's actually packed away. I had to pack up all my books, which was sad. Mine right here. Yeah. So I will so. probably read it when I move. But it was yeah. it was really great. It was really just like interviewing Paul Holes, and they did like the roast of well, Paul. Gil Holes. came back out. Gil came back <laughs> out, which I was stoked about. We all got a signed copy of the book. It was really neat. Okay, and because I totally didn't even do it justice, the book is called Unmasked, My Life Solving America's Cold Cases by Paul Holes. Um, and then he had a co-writer on the book as well with him. Uh, but yeah, no, that night was so fun. We laughed so hard. Which Paul Holes also equally as, like, humble. And every time yeah. they made jokes about, like, hot for holes or anything, you could just see him going, oh, like, he went beat so red, red from the face down. But have you ever been to a nicer roast? Everybody that was roasting him was pretty much just saying, like, Making fun of, like, why do all the girls at the police department find the lab tech that nerd? Why do they all think he's hot? (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty much, like, them being annoyed that they couldn't understand why women thought he was hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Like, again, Katie said it before, but every single person that we met that, like, we consider our heroes, Uh like, we were not disappointed. They were all... They held true. Yeah. So kind, so humble, so great. Like, they really just want to do good in the world. Um, and it's great to see 
But that wrapped up day one. We were exhausted. Like, we went home and we went to bed. Yeah. Also, I just forgot to mention that on day one, I won $100. Oh, yes, we did. Gambling. We did go to the casino, didn't we? And Katie won we 100 did. bucks, and I won nothing. I did win 100 bucks. <laughs> I won zero. Woo. I lost And we so each won $25 in the merch store at CrimeCon. Yes. And we're, on our scratchy wins. I'm wearing my CrimeCon hoodie. Mine's in the wash. <laughs> that was a good day. Day one was a good day. It was day. a great day. Great day. Uh, so now we've done day one. We've wrapped up day two with our Paul Holes night with the ladies, and then we wandered all the way back to our hotel. Probably got lost on the way. <laughs> we definitely probably got lost. So we actually moved. The, the Crime Con, the convention, was at Paris and Bali's, and we were there mm-hmm. for night one. Um, but because of how late we booked, it was a lot cheaper for us to move to the Excalibur for night two and three. Um, yeah. so we moved and that meant that we had to like walk through and take the tram to get back over. And so we got lost a few times, which was a fun little adventure. And I left my Chex Mex and my cup on the monorail. That's pretty devastating. I was actually Ooh. thinking about that because we bought the same cup and then you left yours on the monorail and didn't. And get... they were so, <laughs> they were so cute. cute. I know. We had matching little cups and kitty lost For anyone hers. who knows about the Starbucks tumblers that look studded, they were that in white and they were so cute, but they were $15 and actually looked like they would last longer than the Starbucks And one. like in white had the Vegas like logo <sighs> on it. Oh, so good. But th- that's okay. If that's the only thing we lost, I'm okay with it because it could have been worse. True. I thought we were going to lose our dignity there for a moment. <laughs> when I lost my fake tan, I thought, oh, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> but no, Saturday started out great. We, even though it opened at 9, we didn't go to our first seminar till 10.20, yeah. just based on personal preference, looking into them. Um, and this one was, like, just a banger. Uh, hands down. I don't think the... I laughed I was... so hard the entire weekend that I did. In the lesson called Logic and Lesson with Dr. Henry Lee. Like, who else but the Dr. Henry Lee? The the Dr. Henry Lee. Literally the funniest session we went to. Uh, This man is a legend. I can't even believe he's in his 80s. No. He looks amazing like i'm like, 30 and i'm great. and i've never been that quick so no and his skin <laughs> looks way nicer than mine yeah so for those of you who don't know um dr henry lee, no they know i, they I was know. gonna say i'm sure you do know, they know. but dr henry lee is kidding. one of the world's foremost forensic scientists he is also the founder of henry c lee institute of forensic science uh science sorry at the university of new haven um he's worked on a lot of famous cases and i know that he kind of sometimes not gets flack but like he's a bit of a controversial one because he testifies like yeah. he's testified on the defense for Casey Anthony he also testified for the defense in the staircase documentary on Netflix um but I mean he's really just here for the a science. lot of people think yeah a lot of people say he shows up on big cases because he gets paid to do it but I know he mm-hmm. is the best of the best so you call in the best of the best I think yeah uh, he did famously work on, and this one he talked about with us in the seminar, the disappearance of Elizabeth Smart, and he broke down kind of the work that he did to help authorities find Elizabeth's kidnapper um, and ultimately her. Uh, he has also famously been involved in the O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah, the cool part about this, too, is he was actually, like, pulling back how we can all kind of do our part to help. 
Like, a lot of it is just logic. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole police force was looking at, like, this ripped screen, and he's like, well, you already can build, like, almost a profile. The guy had to have been at least this tall, mm-hmm. but no shorter than this, and da-da-da-da-da. Like, it's just fascinating that we all just, like, immediately go to, like, step Seven. Twelve. Yeah. Step twelve. And he's like, guys, keep it Just simple, stupid. Stand on the chair. Who can pull reach it, it back? Yeah. Yeah. Like he stood up on the chair and he's like, Okay, I'm five eight. I can't reach this. You six foot two, get up there. And the guy reaches up and it's like perfectly where his hand would be to cut the screen. It's like, okay, step one. So he had to Great. have been this height. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. they know that the chair was balanced funny, so he probably wasn't any bigger than this. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we know he's a very tall, skinny man. Yeah. Yeah. So instantly we're starting to build a profile. It's just these little things that we kind of take for granted that we can figure out on our own as like our armchair detective online sleuthies we are. Yeah. Yeah. The the session was interesting though, especially just because I feel like Dr. Henry Lee is one of those ones you do see in a lot of like true crime that you watch. And so again, it was just really cool to like. Be learning. He loves his mama. Right. He loves his mom. He's like, talking about how his, like, mo- his mom was like, why won't you help? His mom is hero. And like, his dad died in a shipwreck when he was a kid and he was like one of 13 and his mom just like hustled and raised them all anyway. And just, that's amazing. And then now when he's like, who's your hero or who do you look up to? He's like, my mom. Yeah. Duh. Like. <laughs> well, and I thought it was funny because he was saying that like he was called in to help on a case and he was retired so he said no like, and no. then his mom called him and was like why won't you help <laughs> yeah like, people like call his mom and tell on him and be like can you get henry to come play with us <laughs> they called my mom his mom would be like go play with the other kids you have free time help them with their homework like <laughs> yeah it was really 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 funny if you ever have the yeah. opportunity to hear this man speak i highly recommend it because highly recommend have yes. a great time <laughs> Uh, so 11.30, we moved on, and this session was more interesting to me than I thought it was going to be. Katie really wanted to go to this. The girls, <laughs> Ashley and Jamie, actually sat this one out for... They, like, later days on yeah, us for this for one, because ob- Jamie doesn't do bugs. We tell you, but we went to Forensic Entomology, Insects in Investigations with uh, whoop, Dr. Whoop. Jason Bird. So, um... It's so cool. We all know... Forensic Entomology, the scientific study of the colonization of a dead body by arthropods. Um, do you want to speak about this a little bit more, just because this was yours? This was, like, I don't know why, but this one I just was, like, when I saw it, I was like, I want to go to this. Everybody poo-pooed it at first, and I'm, like, so glad that you loved it, because I was really worried we were going to leave and you were going to be like, yeah, I could have done without that. No, I I thought it was fascinating, and I think the coolest thing about forensic entomology is it's actually one of the oldest studies and uses of forensic science. Bugs have been around forever. Right, bugs have been around longer than us, and bugs don't lie. Um, So, and it's, you're literally using their entire body as a little vessel of science, mm -hmm. because you're looking at what stage of life are they in, what area are they in demographically, what region are they native to. You can figure out if someone's been relocated based on a non-native plant or bug. Yeah. Purely based on maybe something that's in their system. We can identify DNA from inside a mosquito. Yeah, like, like bugs hold DNA inside of them. We could take that out and like... They are like a little time capsule of a crime. Yeah. They and really it's are. so cool. And I know everybody thinks like, oh, maggots are disgusting, but... And they are. Don't get me wrong. 
It's just... But it's so interesting that we can watch from the progression of eggs laying to what stage of life an insect is in to find out maybe how long remains have been there, what state of decomp they're in, what the environment's been like, has it been damp, and if it has, then we can look at what season they might have been there in. And you can find out also, too, by what bugs aren't there anymore if it's been an excessive amount of time because certain colonies of bugs will move on and other insects will move in because certain insects can't handle fleshy skin and hair and some can only handle soft tissues. And so they all work together in partnership like a little... They're literally like a demolition crew that come in in phases. Mm -hmm. Like if you think of a house being torn down, it sounds weird, but it's true. Yeah. Like certain teams come in and remove different materials and tear it down and clean up. Yeah, it, it was honestly a really interesting session. Just, I mean, I, I obviously kind of knew I'm a Bones fan. I know what Dr. Jack Hodgins does. <laughs> My God, um, Simon keeps talking about him now. I'm obsessed with that show. I still am. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that'll be one of my favorite shows probably till the day I die. But True. it was it was just interesting to hear it from. And it was it was the most just like scientific straight to the point (laughs) this is the bug this is what they do this is what can affect the situations like they were talking about factors like moisture levels submerged corpses sun exposure air exposure Mm -hmm. geography weather it was just the most like informative session that had no fluff like there was not a little bit of fluff in it it was just like this is it this is how it works and even the questions were so matter of fact that he got like people didn't even try to make him go gross people were equally fascinated and like okay if this happens here because like i had questions and he got to them because he also had to take into account like you said with moisture and water there's also aquatic bugs Mm -hmm. there's also limited bugs that can access because he explained how bodies typically will float with the arms and legs hanging down so it weights the body face down and then a lot of bugs can't get in unless they can have access to either an open wound or an opening in the body such as like your mouth or your eyes yeah. which i know is again gross but it is. there's certain bugs that can't get in there and that's also a factor in why water changes your decomp is because it limits what bugs can also be there which are factors in your decomp like it's so it's so crazy yeah i feel like we i was like Katie, weirdly fangirling out at the end of this. I was going to say, Katie could probably talk about this for days. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting session. We learned a lot in that one just about how accurate bugs actually are and determining like time of death, location, if a body has been moved. like And why don't we use them more? Serious, well, I'm sure we do. Oh, we and that's the other thing. It, but, oh, there's, like, we have like 30 in... What, North America, he said? Yeah, if you are interested in bugs and you're smart and sciencey, we need a forensic entomologist. We need you. Even if you don't want to do the gross stuff, just be someone in the lab who helps do, like, the research. Like, it just, any extra brains help. Yeah. There's so few of you. And then there's even fewer that work with, like we said, the aquatic-based insects. So, if you're out there and, yeah, your noggin works good for science and bugs, get out there. Yeah. Not me. Um, okay, so we can move on. Then we had lunch. Yes. Then at Cafe Americano we had a quick in lunch. the casino. I will just say that that was one of the that best quesadillas. Was so I was going to say that was one of the best quesadillas I've ever had, and I have loved quesadillas, so I order them a lot. Same. So. And I had a breakfast sandwich. Literally, the food was so good, and we were in such a hurry, and it came so oh. quick, and like we got to our thing in time. I was just really impressed by that With whole, good seats 
whole food experience at Cafe America. Yeah, our waiter was amazing. Was it was great. Yeah. That's one thing I actually want to take note of, too, with, like, the city of Las Vegas in general. Everyone was very kind. We asked for directions a lot. We asked for a lot of assistance because we were on a very short time frame, so we didn't have time to just wander like you do on vacation and figure stuff out. And everyone was amazing. Yeah. Like, the customer service. So nice. The general people that just gave us help on the streets. Everyone was amazing. Like, thank you to everyone because... It was so well organized and everything was great. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so after lunch, we went to a panel called The Murder of Gabby Petito, How to Spot Domestic Domestic Abuse. Sorry. Um, This was a panel with Susan Hendricks, Joey Jackson, Judy Henderson, Jean Casares, and Brandon Ratcliffe. Now... I don't even have any notes for this one because it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, but we essentially listened to a discussion about um, the review. The investigation. Yeah. Really. The investigation into that that murder. Um, the review of the body cam footage and some, you know, notes and talking points indicators, about that. Yeah. And um, how to spot some indicators in that video. And I actually did take a screenshot. I'm just going to pull it up and I'll read it. Um, One thing I will mention, too, is there was the... I believe he was the lead detective on the case mm-hmm. or the lead officer. Um, and the the rest of the panel were either people who had worked with police um, and had their own strong opinions. But everybody was in accordance, too, just to put it out there, that the police did nothing wrong in this circumstance is that... They did the best they could with the information they had and separating them for the night likely did seem like the best outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to say that there was that support there for the police department on all There was. Counts. Oh, yeah. So I just don't want anything we say to sound like we're bashing police. No. Because it's just the facts of the video. However, they with what they did with the information they had at hand was the best they could do. Well, and they talked about that and they talked about, like, educating you know, educating officers and educating people more on the domestic abuse subtle signs. Yeah, the subtle signs of domestic abuse, and a lot of the time, most of the time, the the uh, person who is being abused doesn't want to throw the other person under the bus because that could potentially mean more harm for them later, and so that puts officers in a really difficult position when somebody doesn't want to admit that they're being harmed or doesn't want to accept help. Like, they can only do so much. Um, So it was really, uh, I think, an emotional session. I think all of us can Mm -hmm. relate to domestic violence and domestic abuse in some way, shape, or form, whether you have experienced it yourself or you know somebody who has, somebody close to you, you know, you've watched them kind of deteriorate and pull away from you for that reason. Um, It was, yeah, it was really informative. So it was tough. Yeah, I did take a screen grab just of their abusive relationship warning signs. Um, So the main ones that we all know, but I'll I'll just reiterate them. Isolation from loved ones, controlling finances and life decisions, insulting, humiliating communication, uh, using pressure to have sex or use drugs, and threatening to harm family and pets. Those are kind of the main um, points that they wanted to go over in terms of the 
how to spot domestic whether abuse. Whether you see them yourself. Yeah. Whether you see them in your own relationship or you see them in someone else's. Mm-hmm. It is important to keep in mind, though, that just because you point it out to someone doesn't mean that it's safe or appropriate for them to leave. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that they explained to us, and we've talked about this before, but that moment when you decide you're going to leave, that is the scariest moment and most dangerous moment in theory. Yeah. Um, so just be also be respectful if you see someone experiencing these and they won't leave. Mm-hmm. Don't think it's because they're weak or they don't want to. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's it's it can be a matter of life and death and then also when there's children involved, people can feel like they have no other option. So just be there, be supportive. Yeah. Listen. Well, they talk too about like, you know, if you say let's say that um in this the Gabby Petito case, like let's say that they had taken Brian into custody for, you know, a day or whatever. Um how is somebody supposed to just Find a new place to live, a damage deposit, a full month's rent. I think in the States, it's first month, last month, in like 24 yeah. hours. I mean, a lot of the and time, that's the just time. not feasible. They're controlling your money. Yeah, and they're likely too. controlling a lot more avenues of your life. So yeah. also just packing up and leaving, you wouldn't be surprised how many people can't leave, more so because of financial mm-hmm. abuse, as in they're given an allowance yeah. They don't get to have extra money. They can't just drive off into the sunset. Yeah. And if you don't have a support system because they've isolated you at this point, you don't have another option. Yeah. They're your support system. Yeah. So, I mean, that was pretty much it for that one. I think that's a topic that we could talk about more um, another day. We likely will cover that case. Um, but Maybe. going west... You can mention them. They did such a good job with that case, and we got to meet them. Yeah, Going West Podcast. They uh, are located just south of us in Oregon. (laughs) And we're really hoping that they come visit us because they said they wanted to come to Vancouver Island. We got to meet Daphne and Heath um, at Podcast Row, and they're the loveliest people ever. They really, really got a lot of coverage going on the Gabby Petito case when it first started, and they covered it in real time. They did a really good job. Um, I I had to go and tell them, like, how proud I was of them because I really watched their podcast, like, explode at that time as well. And, yeah, I really hope they come visit us uh, because it was just cool to meet friends. Yeah, also, if they're going to head up this way or we're going to be down that way, and like we mentioned, if we could do some kind of meetup, we also maybe mentioned to uh, the lovely gentleman from Dark Poutine that if they're ever in the neighborhood and want to catch up, we can think of a few great places. So we'll keep you in the loop and we'll see if that would be something y'all would want. Yeah, let us know if you would like a meet and greet with other podcasts. Um, there's definitely a few in the area that we could probably convince to, if we got a venue, to do a meetup if there was enough interest. So, yeah, a podcast like True North, True Crime, Dark Poutine with Mike Brown, um, Going West so that they potentially would be interested. We obviously would be there. Any other podcasts in the area that you can oh, think of? <laughs> Please let us know, but I think it would be really cool to do like a meetup with other podcasts. Um, But yeah, so that was the Gabby Petito domestic violence session. That was, yeah, it was quite heavy, but I think it was, uh, it was a good one to go to and to listen to. Yeah. Um, By 2.30 that day, we were back into our next session. (laughs) 
Uh, timing wise, they killed it on these schedules. They were close, but they were good. Yeah. And we got back with our boy Paul. Yeah. Paul Holes a again. A wild killer. Paul Holes hunt for the victims of uh, William Wild Bill Huff. I didn't actually know a lot about this case at all. Me neither. Uh, when it came up, which is shocking given the sheer number of arrests this man had that we were discussing. Yeah, and he's terrifying to look at, so there's that too. In all 17 mugshots, like, there isn't even one where you're like, oh, this was his drug phase. No. No. It's... They're all terrifying. It's all fucked up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that This session, again, I don't... I also didn't know much about this case going into it, but this session was really cool no. because we had no idea this was going to happen, um, but he actually brought out the daughter so of one of the victims the, yeah so the the victims were deanna or dd butterfield and mulin sachow i believe is how it said and so paul brought out dd's daughter mo and uh these crimes actually happened like quite a ways apart too so what had happened is paul was on the case for the first victim which was uh Miaolin. Yeah, that's how you say it. And so it was essentially kind of a sitting lonesome cold case that wasn't going anywhere. And he knew that this woman had a small, like, young daughter and was really dead set on solving this case. So it always kind of stayed on his mind. And then that case was in December of 87, I think. And then June of 93, Moe's mother is another victim and then we come to find out there's a DNA match between the two that we can now put together and actually clear the original suspect from the first murder, who was her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And so he gets released and cleared his name, thank goodness, because he had pretty much no English and was arrested because he admitted to something he didn't understand he was admitting to, yeah. is the bottom line. So June of 93, Dee's murdered, and that's when Paul learns that she now also has another young daughter who over the years actually gets them to connect with one another. And that's amazing. It seemed like this really beautiful experience overall to be able to support each other. Uh, Well, and Mo was raised by her grandparents. And as she got older, she wanted to know. She really didn't know. She wanted to know what happened. And, like, I think it was really cool. And, like... Well, didn't a kid at school bring her an article and say, like, is this your mom? So you didn't really know about it, did she? Yeah. Or something like that? It was like a kind of unusual story how she found out. Yeah, I don't really remember that part. I just remember thinking it was like so heroic and like good for you that she was so young and was fighting so hard for answers for her mom that she like really didn't know that well. I mean, she was really young when her mom passed away. I'm sure she remembers her in like some capacity. Oh, she was like three. But to spend your life then fighting for answers for her just i don't know it was really cool to hear her story yeah i mean he's fortunately this piece of shit's still in jail yeah he was incarcerated 20 times between 1992 and 2014 wild 20 times well and they were talking about how they sat on that dna for so long and just wouldn't test it yeah because it happened in 87 
And I think he said it was something like, or sorry, her crime happened in 93. And didn't she say it was like eight years or something like that? Seven or eight years that they just had DNA sitting there that they just did nothing with. Yeah. And like Paul. But because this man had been incarcerated, his DNA was likely in the system the entire time. hundred percent. And Paul said that he was like basically instructed to stop working on cold cases. And so he yeah. did. But like, it, well, and then when it he was said he got there. like that. Remember when he said he got like that $1.2 million grant to test untested rape kits and then he found out after he had told everybody and all the departments to send them to him that departments and labs just like weren't, didn't send them. So there's now untested kits after he sent the difference in the money back to the government. Yeah. Like, come on, people. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of that discussion because of that um, was around, you know, why is it so difficult to get rape kit tests? Why? Yeah, why is there just piles of them sitting places that aren't getting addressed? Actually, just... If we were testing them faster, we would be able to identify faster and limit the amount of reoccurring because sexual offenses are notorious for continuing and escalating. Yeah, and I actually saved a like a meme, I guess you could call it, um, on the internet. I'm going to find it because it was really, really relevant to this. It was actually posted by Wine and Crime yesterday. It says, crazy... Ladies... Crazy how states plan to criminally investigate every miscarriage, which happens in approximately one in four pregnancies, by the way, yet they don't, quote, have the resources, end quote, to test rape kits or enforce restraining orders. So, amen to that. Let's put the care where it is deserved. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, that was a... It was a good discussion, and a lot of people were, were asking questions, you know, about why is it so hard to get rape kits tested and why does dna just sit around and and why does why do why is it okay that dna just sits there and is not tested when we have answers the government doesn't care yeah it's the bottom line they don't care yeah it's not important to the men to find out why the women are being assaulted i'm not trying to sound mean putting it on men but there is more men controlling government right now yeah there's more men making decisions about women's bodies and women's reproductive organs right now than we even have the time to talk about yeah we don't have time for that for sure but uh that's like a montage of episodes that's a whole nother podcast honey that's uh but then i will say i think at this point in the day at crime con though you were like i'm about ready to go and i was like i just i know you have blisters you were wearing boots she had the world people that was a true crime scene <laughs> the blisters this girl had were disgusting my ankles or my heels are still recovering from those blisters, actually. Maybe we'll do a little Patreon crime con episode about all the weird, gross things that happened that people don't want to... Because we didn't trigger warning anything here, but we could definitely go into detail about those blisters. We don't need to talk about my blisters. Nobody wants to hear about it. Just know that I'm still recovering. I had to buy, like, a $13 pack of Band-Aids yeah. because I didn't think I could get her back to the hotel without them. No. I couldn't have, guys. I couldn't. She was already, like... I mean... And she was being a fucking champ. I was going to say, I have a pretty high pain threshold, but, like, I was acutely aware that both of my heels were wide open. Oh, whenever we were, like, not around other people for a second, you were like, my heels are so slow. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, if you're waiting till there's no one around to just be like... <gasps> I was like, they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. I was struggling. Uh, so, yeah, by, by this she... point in the day, I was tired, but we did go to one more... She did it for me, guys. Katie, we had to. Uh, I, I needed to go see Dateline Live, essentially. Dateline 24-7. What's next for the what's true crime next? original? Uh, at this ooh, was ooh. 
Jolyn Kent, Andrea Canning, Josh Mankowitz, Mankowitz, Keith Morrison, and Dennis Murphy. Now, don't hate me. Don't log off this podcast. I don't watch Dateline, but I went for Katie because she is a Dateline fiend. So I'm going to let Katie just take this I one. I love me some Dateline. Oh, and it, depending on what mood I'm in, too, and I think anyone who's a Dateline fan will get this, like... I've had a rough day. I want some, like, soothing voice. I'm going to go for Keith Morrison. I'm, like, feeling a little sassy. I want someone who's a little bit more of a hard hitter. I'm going to watch some Josh Mankiewicz episodes. Like, I, everyone has a preference. So I have a question about Dateline. Is it each person gets a different case? Like, they're not in the same episode ever? There's the odd time where, like, maybe, like, a segment was covered by another reporter, but typically it's, like, yeah, everyone has their own episode, their own case, and they're, like, investigative journalists... So they just go and do start to finish that case with their own little, like, crew of people. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So it sounds like they are going to come out with a Dateline podcast and... There is a... There's a Dateline podcast. It's been out for a long time. Oh, well, what were they talking about then? Because they're coming out with something new. Yeah. So they were talking about, like, how they have the thing about Pam is technically partnered with Dateline and that was the story that they kind of we're working on so they're going to be releasing more like fic or non-fiction but like based on a true remake remake based kind of, of. Okay. yes and there's another one already in the makes they said they're also going to be doing more way more podcasts because they said they can like pump those out also apparently keith morrison reads a book on the calm app so if you need some like zen time with keith morrison he reads like a bedtime story on calm i guess it's phenomenal <laughs> it's amazing yeah i need to check it out for sure but they did have a new series coming out because i was really interested in watching it because when they were no, like playing it um i noticed that they were going to be covering it looked like the- it's called the last day i believe and it's recounting the very last day someone is alive before they go missing or are murdered yeah, so that's cool because I definitely... You saw Kelsey in there, didn't you? I saw Kelsey in there. For anyone who doesn't know, that's Kelsey Schelling. We covered her back in, I think, our first, like, 30 episodes. Yeah. So we can always link that episode in our bio By the way, as well. if you're wanting to listen to our earlier episodes, I would do so <laughs> now because I believe I haven't actually talked to Katie about this, but we're going to be taking some more off. Um, it's time we to... We have to, people. Cut the fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, we're working on ourselves here, which means we got to just put some of those in the vault a bit. I was going to say. You can still access them. CrimeCon, yeah, you can still access them for $5 a month on Patreon. Um, in that tier, you can access archived episodes. $1 a month is just general support. So if you are looking away uh, for a way to support our show, you can do so for literally a dollar a month on Patreon, and we would appreciate it more than you know. Um but I think CrimeCon, just to kind of round it off, I don't think we have too much more. That was the end of our sessions. I mean, after that, Katie and I were exhausted. We went to bed. Ashley. Although I did meet Josh Mankiewicz. Okay. Like, I touched him and we, like, chatted for a second. It's true. I was there. I witnessed it. I literally was, like, a six-year-old meeting Cinderella at Disneyland. I was like, hey, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> I was, like, a child. Yeah. But, like, we laughed. We had a little banter for a second. He's really funny. 
Overall, though, I think that the experience really made us want to be better and tap into our full potential, if you will. Um, when we started this podcast, we really had no clue what we were doing. We just sat down with a couple of microphones and started talking with absolutely no plan and no direction. And it's been a good 15 months now. It's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> I think that we've gotten to a place where we're a lot more confident in our research and our abilities and CrimeCon ourselves. I was going to say, I think CrimeCon just really made us want to like fine tune everything and make this podcast what it can be. Uh, and that means that a lot of our earlier episodes are going to be archived soon. So, <laughs> yes, please. Um, I don't know where that cutoff is going to be, and I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, like, it's, it's going to be like Russian roulette, people. So you better catch up because yeah. you never know where they're going to start getting getting gone. Yeah, and uh, we will. We are going to start putting out more bonus content on Patreon as well. That's the ten dollar a month tier. So um, if you if you go over there, some of the tier names have changed, and um, don't know that we'll be switching up too much there. But um, we are going to use it a bit Keep more. Keep an eye on it though. Check it out. Keep up. To but uh, yeah, after CrimeCon, after that, we were exhausted. Um, we went to bed. We went and got some food and like roamed around the, oh. the the hotel in our pajamas. But like Ashley and Jamie went out and we did not. Yeah, we were like in short shorts and pajamas and stuff, wandering around looking for junk food. Yeah. And then we curled up in bed with all of our snacks. Yeah, and like Ash and Jamie, God bless their souls, were in like legitimately stilettos and dresses and full beats and were going out to like be fun. I sent Simon a picture of them. I was like, you guys stand there. I need to show my boyfriend the comparison. <laughs> Just like literally so impressed with them. You get you get it, girls. Uh, you looked beautiful yeah. and it looked fun. They went and got pizza at Secret Pizza. So we missed out. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, other than that, though, I would say... Uber driver. Uber... Yeah, and just quickly before that, though, other than, like, Josh Mankiewicz, we did actually, and we will post pictures because we got to meet and kind of chit-chat with a few people, like Josh Mankiewicz, uh, Joey Jackson was there, Billy Jensen, Alexis Linkletter. We also met, like we said, Gil and Sean for, or Sticks from Live PD, as well as, like, every other podcaster that was there, like... We got to really sit and talk to Sarah Turney a couple of times and just, it was amazing to be there. And again, we can't say enough about everyone that was there. Everyone was so kind and amazing. And it's definitely not like a, a world of stepping into podcasting that you should be scared of. No, it's not, it's not although there's so many, it doesn't feel competitive no. like other things do. And it's everyone's so welcoming and wants to help. Yeah. So get ready for the next phase of Podcast by Proxy, which is hopefully going to be better than ever. Permanent season two, if you will. We're going to need some help, though. So we're going to have some votes going up, yeah. probably, in the next little while about things we may or may not change. Maybe some music adjustments, some name change adjustments, maybe. Who knows? We might have ideas. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm set on changing the name. I don't know either, but that's why we may have questions down the coming weeks, months, days. Yeah. Just keep an eye out, people. We're going to need your help. Yeah, so in the morning, we left on uh, Sunday. There was actually a whole other day of CrimeCon, but we had to go home because we have jobs and things and lives, and we ran out. Lives, yeah. And, like, no money. <laughs> and I miss my dog. <laughs> and that. 
Um, that's just how flights worked out for us. Uh, it's difficult flying in and out of an island in Canada. Um, it worked for us, though. I think we hit our threshold, and we were yeah. like, I'm good to go home. But yeah, so I'm we content. we got an Uber in the morning on Sunday morning, oh. and uh, just shout out to our Uber Michael. driver, Michael. He works for, like, children's hospitals and dresses up in Avengers costumes and Star Wars costumes. If anybody wants to go on Facebook, they're called the Avengers of Las Vegas. It's amazing. And he specifically dresses up as either Captain America, Darth Vader, or Kylo Ren, and has, like, this amazing cool car that he drives around in. Yeah, and also he had snacks in his Uber for free. Oh my god, okay. Free snacks. It wasn't even just snacks. He had Kleenex, gum, hand sanitizer. I had I took snacks for the plane. This like he was honestly phenomenal. We gave him an outrageously large We literally tip. I think tipped him more than the Uber <laughs> drive cost because the Uber was like 10 blocks. Yeah. And honestly, I just like I felt like I was paying to go to like a movie or something cuz I enjoyed the experience by the time I was Correct. done. I was like, huh, and- I would go out of my way to be like, "Yo, Michael, you around next time I'm I'm pretty Vegas. sure we took his car. Like, 10 out of 10 would ride with him again. Best cab slash Uber ride yeah. experience I've ever had. If you just see him, and he's, like, chatty and friendly, but I'm sure if you just get a Michael in, like, I think it was, like, a Honda Civic, just be, like, Michael the Avenger, and he immediately he'll be, like, heck yes or heck no. But, yeah, make sure that know. you check them out on Facebook. Yeah, they the costumes are amazing. The work they do is amazing. Give them a like. Give them some support because the more support they have, likely the more options they may have to get more funding and more costumes and do more work. So that would be amazing because right now he does it all on his own and is out of pocket for all the costumes and work. So just I can't imagine being a little kid how hard that would be. And then to have like your superhero come in is just I think it would be amazing. It is amazing. Um, but I think that's it. I think we can wrap up. It's been a bit of a long yeah. one, but I didn't really think, I didn't think we needed to do this in two. It'll just be a long experience for you. If you, if you stayed all the way, thank you. Um, yes. if you think that CrimeCon should come to Canada, comment on the post for this episode, who you would want to be a speaker. I, um, I'll organize it guys. Put it out there. I'm willing to help. I was actually talking to True North True Crime on Instagram about this and they agree and think that they could get some good speakers and stuff too. So I think we should actually make this happen. So yeah, comment if you want CrimeCon to come to Canada, who you would or want we'll to call see. call it Crime Can. Crime Can. Um, who you would want to see as a speaker. Thank you for coming on this CrimeCon journey with us. We had the best time ever. Hopefully this podcast just can take it to the next level. And it's been lovely. We'll see you next week. See you next week for another episode. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. (laughs) Okay.